Hey yo, what's up everybody? Welcome back to Weebcast, the anime and manga show, the number one anime and manga show on the internet, and welcome back. Hope you've been doing good. Hope you guys have been doing well, been treating yourself, been treating others right as well. I'm chilling, got me some tea with me. Um, I just, look, I'm just grateful, I'm blessed to make it to another Friday, to another weekend. I hope you guys feel the same. We reached, we had a long work week, but now let's take some of that energy. Let's take, let's breathe in, exhale, let's relax and get ready for another, another week <laughs> coming up on Monday. But, um, but let's not talk about that, but let's talk about seven deadly sins. And that's what I'm going to be reviewing to in today's episode. And this wasn't like a requested episode. No one came to me and said, you know what, Chris, CW, you should review the seven deadly sins. And I, I wish someone had. I wish you guys would give me I'm just kidding. But I, I just thought that this would be a good opportunity to talk about a manga that I used to like a lot. I never loved it, but I liked it quite a bit, especially when, it was, when I was reading it still weekly. It was pretty. It was a blast for some parts, and some of it was, I don't know, the very opposite of a blast, right? And uh, I thought this was a good opportunity, and for, especially for people who know me, who know me pretty well, they know that I used to like this manga a lot. Um, especially since it was from the same author and artist who did Congo Bancho. Um, and you're probably like, what the hell is Congo Bancho? It was it was the this author who did who did Seven Deadly Sins did the uh, previous work, Congo Bancho. I just it's much shorter than Seven Deadly Sins, um, and I thought it was. And to be honest, after reading them back to back, Congo Bancho was actually a little it's, it's a little it's it has little, has better humor. <laughs> um, the fight scenes are almost as good there's some fight scenes that are kind of i feel like like i said it's a shorter manga so they don't really focus too much and it's it's more focused on family and it has it has true values but that's not what we're talking we're not comparing the two mangas in this episode i'm just going to review seven deadly sins and kind of talk about my feelings on it pretty comprehensively but before we get into that today's episode is brought to you by the NBA store. Yes, you know that you know the deal. A new year brings the start of a new NBA season. So suit up with the latest gear to show your support for your favorite team. Look, we may be sidelined from going to the arena, but that does not mean you can't watch your basketball from your couch in your favorite NBA team swag. So we're teaming up with the NBA Podgo to bring our listeners 75% off on select items. I know you heard that right. Just go to Podgo dot co forward slash nba for up to 75 percent off on select items the from the nba store the nba where amazing happens all right all right all right all right what's up hey it's time to look at a manga that at this point finished quite a while ago right it's a very long series so, so the review may be long, and if it is long, 
this may be split into two parts. Um, so we'll, we'll see. And I've been writing this for a little bit now. And so I, I've been, I'm excited to do this review. And mainly because it's, this is one of those titles like Fairy Tale, and it's a little tragic. It has a, tar, a pretty good, has a you know decently good climax, and a lot of hype moments. You know that's, and if that's all you want in a manga, then you know more power to you, right? But unfortunately, it's held back some of this the fan service issues, and not just because it is fan service, because the fan service that is in it. This isn't all that funny or good. And it would, and, and those issues kind of prevented it from being a a, bi a bigger thing than it, what it was. It's a manga that I will have fond memories of, though. Even if it couldn't not... It, it, even if it couldn't live up to its full potential. But let's just jump into it. Because the series starts off with Elizabeth searching for help. And the knights have become corrupt, and the only ones that she can turn to are the seven deadly sins. And despite the name that they used, uh, they, they used to be Britain's finest warriors. And But unfortunately, the group had split, been you know split apart, and they're all wanted for capital crimes. So she runs into Meliodas, who you know now runs a humble tavern, and he agrees to help her. While the guy is incredibly sketchy, but, you know, Elizabeth figures she will need his help. So, the first arc is mainly about gathering the seven members to stop the knights and bring Britain to peace once more. Uh, and this won't be an easy task, you know, but if anyone can pull it off, it is Meliodas and his merry, Jerry, merry jolly crew. Um, but, and then the second main arc kind of involves the return of the Ten Commandments. And these guys are some of the deadliest villains to ever walk the planet. They also seem to have some kind of ties to Meliodas. Uh, and the sins are strong. But all of them are weaker than the weakest commandment at this point. And, and it adds a really nice sense of danger to the whole mix. Since all the heroes all have to get massively stronger. And it's pretty cool because, you know, the series started on the premise that the heroes were the strongest people around and now you're throwing in villains who are way more powerful uh, than them so needless to say the series power levels start to get pretty insane um the more the series goes on um and then finally we get involved with the holy war the angels return to slay the demons and the only problem is that they appear to be just as evil, just as corrupt as the monsters they are intended to fight. And this kind of forces Meliodas and the others to wonder, you know, who the hell do I ally with, right? Meliodas has to come to terms with his demonic past as everyone is trying to bid for control over him. The Demon King even shows up for a pretty intense final battle that also became a bit of a running gag among the fans. But let me tell you, reading this weekly was a blast because of that, though. Uh, and reading, I remember, used to, I remember used to read comments um, on social media and on Reddit whenever there was a new chapter. And it was just hilarious. And uh, I, I would never miss a beat because it was just, just, just too funny. So, But let's rewind. Let's take a step back and talk about the series as a whole. So, for starters, the art is 
pretty excellent, right? It's one of the cleanest mangas that you might ever read. And I would consider it to be on pretty, pretty close to top tier in that respect, to be honest. You can really follow along with the fight scenes. Uh, and the character designs are pretty much on point as well. And it, this makes for a, what you would say, a pretty good mix at all times. Solid artwork is, you know, half the battle. And after all, it helps you get across the epic scenes a lot better than it possibly could if the art wasn't all that appealing, you know? And the series is also quite long, with a good amount of replay value and plots to kind of keep you interested. Along with the character cast, is is quite strong, with a lot of solid villains in this case. I'll talk about the characters a little more in depth uh, later on in the review, but... They're fighting, the fight scenes are particularly intense, and the series is, I guess, pretty much known for them. And I, if I had to pick my favorite, my favorite fight in the series might have been the, might have been the Meliodas versus all Ten Commandments. And there's one also fight early on, which takes the whole group for a spin, which was pretty neat as well. You know, he also came so close, so close to winning. That it, cement, that it just cemented him as being the fiercest fighter in, uh, in the group. Unlike many tiles where they try to keep the main character quite a, you know, balanced at first, some, some, you know, somewhat. Meliodas always had, you know, always was head and shoulders above the other members of the team. And he, con and he consistently shows why he is pretty much the leader. And it all makes sense. And, but now, now where the series kind of goes wrong in my my taste is the fan service it's unfortunate because it mainly stops after arc one and it's something that would occur less and less frequently as the series went on D depending on the scale of the score wouldn't have been totally crippled but as with as as with violence just like violence uh fan service has tears to it all right there's levels to this you know, quick camera angles and unfortunate tripping is one thing. But Meliodas tends to get pretty physical with Elizabeth, which is kind of the real problem for me here. It's played off as comedy and just, you know, comedy plot, but and I, which I could never really fully invest in. And I, I could never believe the series would even attempt to do. You know, she never really gives him any kind of cons consent. Uh, and always kind of gets embarrassed by his advances. He, he just pays just absolutely no mind to this. And it would be a far darker plot if taken any seriously. But And when we learn some twists, you know, down the road that they're supposed to make, you know, kind of make this better. Um, but basically, they are destined to be together. And Meliodas has been together with many different versions of Elizabeth so he's kind of skipping the formalities and just kind of getting into the action and since he considers them to be a couple already but that's just not how it works though and those scenes are really rough to get past and eventually they do get together but by then the damage in the series is a little bit already done there band's romance is with Elaine is also pretty bad the series tries to make it more wholesome by the end but at that time it's just too late and not enough, and it doesn't really work. Uh, I'll take that over the Meliodas stuff, though. But regardless, that's what this—that's what holds this series back. The series is long, and the plot doesn't occur all that often. But I still can't overlook it, and it's something the series chose to do, 
and now must live with the with the consequences and the score. Uh, the series still does a good job fleshing out some of the world and the characters within it, though. You know, we learn a lot about Britain, and it's fun. This, and it's fun how the series uses actual characters from legends like King Arthur and such, and it sets up uh, the sequel series, which is, you know coming up pretty soon. I'm, I'm not sure if the first chapter of the sequel series, I think the, it did actually drop, it dropped. The first chapter of the sequel series did drop not too long ago. Um, and I can't wait, I, I will eventually talk about it, so don't worry about it. But and, um, and the series also had a pretty good job messing with the readers during the ending. So, you know, it pretended to be ending and then threw in a few extra fights, you know, just for good measure. And part of the reason why it worked so well is because that now there was no way to know when it would end you know if anything i was expecting the light the light god to show up but sadly yeah, she never did now there's a character who's been getting a lot of hype but has yet to do anything really and i expect her to get a pretty big role in the sequel um to make up for this but seven deadly sins also keeps up the intensity with each volume you know it was never really a dull moment I'd say it rivals fairy tale on how enjoyable each volume can be. You know, it's certainly at a higher. I was gonna say it's at a higher level than Toriko. Um, as an example, but I think Toriko had a better climax, if that makes sense to uh, to everybody. And, and it's tough because most Shonen Jump titles like to end with a huge climax. And it makes sense, you know, because there's a good way to ensure that your journey was worth it. You didn't read all those volumes for nothing. And a series should always have a very climactic finale. And that's what the series was definitely trying to go for. But let's look at some of the characters here. I kind of look at, well, I guess we should start with Meliodas, right? You know what I mean? Who's the leader of the group. You know, he's one of those guys who is so powerful that he has a hard time taking anything seriously. And at times, it's kind of end up being pretty risky for him because, you know, he can lose before he has a chance to go all out. And as a, as a hero, he's only okay, you know. His whole plot with Elizabeth kind of holds the character back. And he can be pretty mean to Hawks the whole time. And I actually liked him best when he was in his dark mode. When he was uber serious. Not the part where he was being mind controlled. But the dark of his own control. You know the scene of him walking into the base. And taking down Esterosa and Zeldris was mwah, chef's kiss masterful. Again Seven Deadly Sins really knows how to pile on the hype. And really take everything to the next level. And you're, really, and you're just guaranteed to see some big stuff in each adventure here. And then you have Diane who is unfortunately known as the weakest member of the Sins. You know, technically Gowther would be far weaker physically, but uh, she has a number of ha hacks at, uh, at the ready. You know, Diane is a pure physical fighter. She can manipulate the earth, helps her evade attacks, as well amp up her abilities. She's a bit of a tragic character, as she likes Melodos, but doesn't really stand a chance from the start. She's a fun fighter to have on the group, though. I, I feel like she should have gotten a little another power-up, though. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it would have helped to balance things out with her and the rest of the group. Um, next is Ban, ban um, who serves as the role as the rival in this uh, manga. And he isn't nearly as solid 
as most rivals in shonen battle titles but what holds him back is that he can be a little too crazy at the whole time and it just feels i don't fake just over the top a little too much and he's always trying to murder meliodas and doesn't really seem heroic the way the others are but his whole regeneration thing is pretty cool uh and i'll miss that one probably if anything he feels a little weaker when he doesn't use that ability towards the end of the series though because you know he is technically more powerful and sometimes you really just need to try and stick to your classic abilities to stay up stay at your best you know uh king though king isn't really much better and now you see why I consider the villains to be the main strength of the cast here. I mean, King's true form is pretty bad, so he uses a made-up one. I like his fighting style, though. Though as he zips around at super speed and his projectiles, you know, definitely mean some serious business. Uh, it's hard to get past his defenses and all, and he gets a lot of development. Uh, but for the most part, I couldn't take his character seriously as well. His final form is pretty neat, though. And... That was definitely a solid upgrade for the character, no doubt. And then we have uh, Gautha, right? Who has a, a complicated backstory. There's a lot of twists and turns related to this character. And you, 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 you can also throw some betrayal in there as well. Um, they're okay, but half the time, they kind of end up making things a lot tougher for the heroes. Uh, they, they rarely seem to contribute quite as much as in battle, in a battle sense. And I ended up growing tired of Gauther pretty quick. If you want a solid character who's unpredictable, that's Merlin's job, all right? Now, now Gauther is a great member of the team. Their abilities are basically absolute and has a plan for just about anything. Next to Meliodas, they're probably the strongest member of the group, in my opinion. Their barriers are incredibly durable. And they have a, a appears to have a spell for almost any possible contingency here. And as a result, you really can't catch Gauther off guard. The ending to Gauther's arc feels a bit forced, but overall, I thought Gauther was a pretty fun character. I dare say that Gauther ended out as one of the best heroes in the group. Now that was there for a hot take. But um We got Esquinor. Um as one of the deadly sins and and his character is built like the damn hawk and bruce banner and and by, and by night he's a meek guy can't fight for beans he's scrawny as they come and will run from a fight but during the day he becomes more of a superman type persona absolute confidence the brighter the sun the stronger he gets and at his best he was able to give meliodas a pretty damn good fight you know escanor is a definitely fun character his character's end was also pretty forced, considering that the heroes were absolutely wrecking the villain before he decided to use a forbidden move. Still, he, he does like to show off, so this was his chance to outshine everyone once more. And he's always brought the hype with him, with his fight with Estherosa was, you know, definitely a blast. Um, Elizabeth, though, is kind of the main heroine of the series, and she definitely gets to appear a lot. You know, she doesn't really tend to the fight most of the series although towards the end she got a new title that was meant to evoke fear into everyone but for the most part nobody took it very seriously even since after all of that she didn't really do much but it was a cool thought I, I do like her angel mode and she does get a big power boost from that 
And it's just really good to see her being a little bit more assertive since prior to getting her memories back. I also found her to be just a bit passive. I'm not saying the passive characters are, are bad or anything, but I felt like her, her passiveness was taken to another degree. She shouldn't have been putting up with Melodas' antics all that much. Um, Hawks, though. I do want to talk a little bit about Hawks. Hawks is pretty much the main comic relief character of the series. And I'd say that he does a pretty good job in that role. You know, he knows how to turn. He knows how to help run, run a tavern quite well. And does help out on occasion. He never really gets in respect. But deep down, they're all big. They're all good friends. That said, Hawks is only good in those short doses, though. And as a main character, he, he really can't hold his own. You know, not the way that Arthur could. You know, King Arthur is one of those characters who would expect to look amazing here, but surprisingly, he doesn't do a great deal. You know, he finally starts to unlock more of his power and at the end of the series, but it's more of a tease than anything. That said, you know, he quickly became one of my favorite characters in the series. He's certainly one of my favorite hero, and the guy tries really hard and is always earnest in his attempts to learn more. You know, I fully expect he will continue to improve. Uh, I kind of want to talk about Dreyfus, because he's one of the original villains, and I remember him being pretty fun. It can be easy to mix him and Hendrickson up a bit, though. Ultimately, I prefer Dreyfus, as he seemed to have more willpower to me and was more powerful. Hendrickson tended to get in the way and was a, a virtual hostage at times. You know, that, that doesn't really help his case, you know, much at all. Uh, Gilthunder was another early villain, part of the why I remember him so well. It's the famous lightning throw scene. Miller also was able to catch a throw that went across whole town. So even Gil Thunder was taken to school when it was a pretty... So it was just pretty hype scene, for sure. Uh, Gulia was a fun villain. I feel like she ultimately didn't live up to her own hype. But it was nice that she got some closure to her story, even if it had a, a bit of redemption art going for her. Uh, Chandler and Cusack were some powerful demons, which makes sense because, you know, they were mentors of Zeldris and Meliodas. I, I remember being surprised when they showed up since it was pretty last second. But right away, they showed why they were to be feared. They, they aren't meant to be very liked well villains, you know, but I like their designs and they were loyal to their masters. You know, Chandler could be a bit shady since he wanted to murder Elizabeth, but at least he was rooting on Melodas to take down Zeldris. It's also a bit funny that their power levels apparently even surpassed that of those two. But, you know, the Demon King, I should talk about something about the Demon King, is the big villain of the series, as you would expect. He steals a lot of the bodies and fights the heroes in a variety of different ways. Never have I seen a main villain get quite so mocked chapter after chapter. It's definitely a, a different approach, much like the series as a whole. Typically, you would expect the big boss to be cleaning shop, and the hero's barely managing to defeat him after a whole lot of friendship speeches and shit like that. Not with this fight, though. The heroes were completely wrecking him from the very beginning. If anything... They weren't even taking him seriously as they chatted while beating his ass. 
The Demon King begged for his life on multiple occasions, and people were just losing respect for the guy left and right, left and right. I still like him, though. <laughs> he may not have been supremely powerful, but at least he talked tough and was pretty manipulative. You know, you can't get much better than that. Uh, there's a few other characters I want to get into, like Derier or or Derier. I don't know. You know who? You know who I'm talking about. Uh, she has a has a cool power. Um, every every hit increases the gravity against you, and it stacks as well. Now that's a pretty dangerous combo. I feel like she, she kind of reminded me of a a Khalifa or a Khalifa from Dragon Ball Z Super. She enjoys a good battle, and she may not be the strongest member of the seven, but I, I found her to be one of the more enjoyable ones. To be honest, typically she would team up with uh, Monspeed. Who had some pretty good abilities himself, involving involving changing places, and honestly, he was doing all right, all right, in, for himself in that fight, in his fight, I mean. And uh, uh, Derrie ended up holding him back to to an extent, but it was still a worthy effort. And he also seemed to be not as quite as evil as the rest, and he was willing to you know live a quiet life from way away from all the violence. He didn't quite manage to get that wish though, but. Droll, on the other hand, is another villain who was in a partnership. He tended to work pretty well with uh, Gloxnia. They really didn't get much character development as the other members, though, but it, they got to be in the flashback arc, which kind of helped. And they weren't bad. You know, in general, I wouldn't say that any member of the Ten Commandments were are bad, to say. I mean, these two were less memorable, and Galand was was one of the best members though you know for starters he had a great design you know and he was also the first member to attack the hero so we get to see of what he can do right off the bat he he really reminded me of berserker from fate zero only this guy talked a lot more unfortunately this did mean he would end up being the weakest member of the group but eh, you still can't forget his memorable entrance so estrosa though gets a massive massive role and it's hard to forget him taking down Meliodas in one hit. I mean, that's definitely an intense way to make a debut in a series like this, you know? And he's easily one of the more powerful villains. And he gets several super forms um, in his development. He also has some twists involving male, uh, male of the Archangels as well. It was pretty interesting. You know, I, I like Estrosa for a while. But once he became obsessed with Elizabeth, he did drop down for me quite a bit. Meanwhile, Mail was reasonably fun, although he definitely didn't seem very heroic. You know, not all very not surprising considering the Archangels were so damn extreme. I could, though we do have Zeldris, who is one of my favorite characters in the entire series. His wind abilities are impressive, as they were able to keep the whole cast at bay. You know, while he isn't as strong as Meliodas, Meliodas but he, he does keep their battles close, and he does keep improving on his own terms, you know. He is on the side of the villains, but at least he has a good reason for doing so. You know, he wants to bring back Gelda back to life, and since the heroes won't help uh, this, he was forced to turn back to the villains, you know. And he's willing to do whatever it takes to bring her back, even if it means stopping the heroes. And I always like a character motivation like that, and Zeldris was a lot of fun. Um, finally, I do want to talk about, uh, Ludoseal, who's the leader of the Angel unit. You know, he was a pretty powerful guy, but also a very corrupt one. 
who isn't above sacrificing a bunch of humans to get his way. And he's not really the kind of guy that you would have on your squad. He may get you the win, but it will come at a tremendous cost. You know, after a while, the cost of victory is too high, and it's simply just not worth it. I I did like having another faction, though. I thought of uh, adding that faction into the series was pretty pivotal. I'm also a fan, and I'm always you know I'm always a fan of having more than two groups because it makes it pretty for for exciting battles here. Um, overall, Seven Deadly Sins had a lot of adventures, in which is why this review was pretty long so i'm sorry for that in a series it's a series that you will definitely get quite invested in as you read through it though without the whole meliodas stuff this would be probably an easy seven unfortunately it is present and if you think you can get past the whole plot then i definitely recommend this series it's got a lot of action and a lot of hype scenes so there's definitely reason to skip out on it there's definitely no reason to skip out it i'm sorry you know each arc starts off strong and with a bang and the art it's got some good quality. Uh, it'll definitely help you prepare for the sequel, which, is, which uh, like I said, it's already, I think it already has one or two chapters out right now. And once it does, I'll probably, uh, I'm definitely expecting some big things because I definitely want to review it. I definitely want to take a look at it and see how it's going to do. Um, if you aren't able to get past the iffy stuff, then I recommend checking um, Black Clover out as well. If you like if you like Seven Deadly Sins, I'm trying to think of a, another series that, that reminds me pretty close of his Black Clover, which I think is probably a little bit better than this. Not a little bit, probably a lot better, but <laughs> uh, that's all for me. And uh, wait, no, 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 no. We got to give the official Weebcast score. And I think this is going to be a, a, a week to mid four out of 10 for me. And like I said, I gave you the reasons why, but it's going to be about a week four, four out of 10 on this series. Let me just be real with you guys. When you think of anime, you think of Crunchyroll. When you think of food delivered real fast, you think of Postmates. So, when you think of podcasting, what do you think of? Or at least when I think about podcasts, I think about Anchor. Anchor is the perfect place if you want to start your podcast. You can talk about all kinds of things. You don't just have to talk about some weave stuff that I talk about. See, in Anchor, there's a set of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right on your phone. It's crazy. And Anchor will actually distribute your podcast for you. It can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. All you have to do is just download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. But that's my Seven Deadly Sins manga review. Thank you for showing up, showing out. I do appreciate it. Make sure you hit me up. Tell me what you think about this episode on Instagram, which is Weebcast TV. You can tell me about the show. Tell about uh, the show or the previous shows that I've previous episodes that I've done on Twitter, which is Based Senpai. And if you see me on Reddit on the JXN m-o-r-i make sure to leave a comment when i post up there as well um and also the patreon if you like to support the show this there's a lot of ways you can support the show like i said you can keep listening to the show sharing the show with your friends and family people who are and other people are interested in hearing um detailed anime reviews and discussion 
then definitely share the show around. Secondly, you can also um, support the show monetarily through the Patreon that we have set up for the show. Patreon.com forward slash Weebcast Show, where we have three tiers, a $1 tier, a $2 tier, and a $3 tier. And you can choose those tiers to get episodes early. Um, you get to hear bonus episodes. You can get on live shows with me. You be uh, you can offer topics. Be the first one to offer topics and, and so much more. Um, and another way you can um, support the show is through Anchor. You don't even have to have an Anchor account or the app. You don't even need any of that. All you have to do is in the description with my Twitter link, my Patreon link, the uh, Instagram link at the very bottom. It should say support this show. Hit that little Anchor link. It should be anchor.support slash something we cast or something like that. But it'll be the, probably the last link in the show description. Hit that link and then you can just direct directly donate to the show just like that. Like a, I think it has a, a dollar option, five dollar option, and a ten dollar option. I think you can do custom as well, but that way you can that way you can support the show as well with just direct monetary donation. And uh, like I said, any of those ways that you uh, support the show, whether sharing, donating, um, and getting closer to the show with Patreon or air through the anchor donating thing. I still love you guys. Thank you for just listening to the show. You make my day. You make my week. You make my weekend. You make me You make me happy. Trust me. When you guys listen to the show. And especially when you give me feedback. That's probably the best thing in the world. Especially when you give me feedback. I feel so motivated. Because then I take that feedback. And I try to make it. I try to work on it. To, to my uh, damnedest. To get it work. To get, in, you know, get it done. So thank you so much. Uh, like I said, this is the end of the show. This was been Weebcast Reviews, Seven Deadly Sins, the manga. Um, I'll see you guys next week. And because I hope you'll be ready for next week because I think coming up this weekend, Sunday, is going to be Valentine's Day. So the next week's episode, I will be doing a little lovey, a dovey Weebcast episode to celebrate Valentine's Day. So, but I'm not going to reveal any details i'm gonna try to keep it on a low you know low key <laughs> but thank you for allowing my voice into your ears into your homes this has been your boy c-dub aka chris aka mori aka the independent variable aka he's about to make himself another pot of hot tea i'll see you next week i'm out of 2000 goodbye <laughs>